half-human. Blade's mother was attacked by a vampire while she was pregnant. Half-immortal. You got the best of both worlds. All our strengths, none of our weaknesses. He is their greatest fear and our only hope. Soapin' season of vampires. Hello, 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 and welcome to this week's edition of the Imaginary Movie Podcast, a podcast where we watch a movie and then we talk about it. Um, and delving into the crypts of Eastern Europe today, it's myself, David, and I am joined by Son of Blade, Ross. <laughs> I'm trying to come up with a catchy line, like, I wasn't expecting such a compliment, Son of Blade. Like, yeah, I'll take that. And I was like, I've got nothing. I'm drawing a blank now. Um, hey, thanks, Dave. And I'm also joined by Whistler's great-grandniece, Sam. <laughs> hello, hello, and just a little fact. I'm just reading from IMDb here that actually um, Wesley Snipes' physique was based on uh, my body. <laughs> I've seen Sam's workout regimen. That checks out. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You know, swole, swole. Get swole, feed so, the swole. I've got a million of these. This week, shut up, Ross. Uh, we watched uh, 1998's Blade. Uh, starring spoilers from before Wesley Snipes, and this was a we, we we I think we teased it last out last week. This is a Ross recommend in our new magical schedule, um, and yeah. So what do we think? Opening thoughts. Well, I'm gonna chalk this up as a W from me because whilst we were all watching it, I mean I've watched it like loads of times before from my childhood, and I loved it then. And I loved it now. Obviously, when I'm watching it for the purpose of this podcast, there were certain bits I watched. I was like, oh, that hasn't aged well or "Mm, that wasn't done quite as well. But still, on the whole, a very enjoyable uh, viewing experience for me. Um, I I disagree. (laughs) Boo. Boo on uh, you. Yeah. So this is like, this is a fun film. It's fine. It's, it's. It's like I I, I kind of get what they're going for, and I appreciate a lot in it. I, I really like certain aspects of this movie, which we'll get into later. But you know, I just I, I found myself quite bored throughout this. It took me you know three sittings to watch, um, largely because of my my kind of busyness, but also just I, I never really like got into it. I never I was never thinking, oh yeah, I watch the rest of Blade now. It was always like, oh right, it's better, better finish this off. So. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how this goes. You might be able to turn me. Well, fingers crossed. Get biting him, Ross. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, like a Cuban to a vampire. So, before we divulge any more, Sam, do you want to just read us a clip plot summary? Let's ground us all in this magical universe. Um, um, muscled vampire-ish dude goes around killing other vampires for reasons that aren't quite clear. You want to go to? The the other the alternative I mean, version of that is that a half vampire, half mortal man becomes a protector of the mortal race while slaying evil vampires. Yeah, cool. So before we get into the argument, guys, before we get into the argument of like what we didn't like about this and what doesn't work, um, I think it's worth talking a little bit more about the actual story because I think that's probably where what this is going to boil down to really, and maybe where most of the flaws lie. So, in brief, we've had the plot summary from Sam, but in brief. We meet Blade. Um, Blade's a badass guy with a sword. He kills vampires. Oh, vampires are a thing. Um, and, and the whole plot in this film revolves around him rescuing this doctor who's been bitten and and then 
her and Blade uncovering this, I guess, vampire conspiracy plot culminating in this final showdown at the end. It's like it's basically a video game, really, in a lot of ways. Um, and that's kind of the plot we have. So that gives us our principal characters, and they're all doing things. And like Sam commented earlier today to us, is you know sometimes you're not quite sure why these people are doing these things, but that's fine. Did you mention Karen? Did you mention the the the, the doctor? Yeah, the doctor. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, and I think that's a that's a part of the movie that is the most confused of 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 all the things in it. It's like so you've got the you've got the doctor there who is kind of the audience analog, but for only about ten minutes, and then she just becomes part of. She, she's quite accepting of all of this insanity. Um, yeah, she's bought in quite early, isn't she? Yeah, bought in quite early, and then you know, regularly killing and and um, torturing people as as all doctors should. It is a well. bit of a. It is. It's probably one of the worst tropes, really, in in these kind of like comic book movies and and I guess vampire movies as well. Is that like instant badass thing? Like, oh, I'm a doctor and I work in a lab all day, but but I can knock the head off a vampire with an axe because. That's yeah, how with no, with no that's PTSD how physical conditioning all. works. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Ross, going to give us some of your background on this, why you picked it, why you like it, and you know what 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 it, what this film means for you. Um, yeah, thanks. So, so uh, like I mentioned before, I've watched this movie countless times since uh, since it came out actually in in ninety eight, and in true sort of late nineties fashion uh, fashion rather, it's an excellent action movie. Um, I mean, you, you guys know I love the martial arts movies, and this movie has that. It has some awesome action sequences in it. And I think the main thing is as well is um, this came out just the year before The Matrix, I think. And so the CGI in it, whilst now it looks dated, it was uh, quite impressive at the time. I mean, there's bits where, uh, you know, where Blade is dispatching vampires and... It's usually in vampire movies when you see a vampire, you know, killed by the sun. That's the only time they turn to ash. Other other times they just sort of decompose quickly. And it's those sort of action sequences when he blasts them with like a, a silver stake or silver bullets and they just combust into sort of like em, uh, embers and, and ash. It was a fantastic effect. Um, yeah, and sort of watching that movie, I mean, like... you. you of the period, you don't get many sort of uh, black sort of action hero stars. But Wesley Snipes was always uh, one of the guys like growing up through the nineties. Like the first time I saw Wesley Snipes was in Demolition Man, which is a movie we should cover because it's amazing. Um, so seeing him go from that sort of like psychotic uh, personality of Simon Phoenix to this sort of stoic, almost Batman esque uh, character. Um, yeah, I mean, he, he fills the both roles quite well, but just seeing him sort of, because he's excellent at the martial arts, seeing him kick so much ass is just, yeah, j- just, it's, I found it entertaining. Uh, I know you guys thought it was, uh, or Sam did think it was a bit of a long haul, but I think for someone like me who's a, a fan of those types of movies, it's broken up quite well. You have, oh, here's some action scenes, okay, and now here's some cool sort of lore about this vampire world, and now we're back to kicking the shit out of someone, Oh, and here's some plot for you. And now we're back to kicking the shit out of someone else. Oh, and now this has happened. Now Blade's mad. Now he's going to do something else. Kick some more ass and credits. Mm. I kind mm. of, I kind I of think... see what you mean, Ross. And um, and and I should preface this as I usually do by saying I really enjoyed about three quarters of this movie. I would say, um, and the quarter I didn't enjoy was probably like as usual the last quarter because I think that 
while I quite a fun, exciting, sometimes interestingly shot, uh, sometimes interestingly performed film that, you know, it has no business being two full hours long, <laughs> in my opinion. I think this needs to be like 90, 95 minutes because after that period of time, there's just not enough here for two hours. You know what, I and I don't think, just let, hear me out for a minute, Ross. No, no, I, I'm, I'm, I was going to agree with you, but go ahead. Yeah, I don't think it's paced well enough in the second half. There aren't enough fight scenes. There's too many library scenes, which is fine in <laughs> Buffy the Vampire Slayer, an hour-long TV show. It is less fine in a you know a two-hour movie. I think the runtime in this is one of the the kind of main reasons that I didn't really enjoy. I think there is there's so much in this that. I just doesn't. It just doesn't need to be there. It doesn't need to have all of these films. I think calling the library scenes is really. It's really good and like, oh, let, let's 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 uncover this mystery or let's add to this law that we're creating. And I think that's fine, in a movie that actually commits to the mystery. It commits to like the 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 characters understanding and uncovering what's going on. And the film doesn't really do any of that. So all of these, all of the downtime scenes are just attempts at trying to maybe understand the character a bit more. But I think all of us can agree that it's not that type of movie. And so you're left with like, why did we just have this conversation? Why are we having, why are we watching another scene of of the 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 older guy chatting shit to Bane? You know, and and like, why are we having can another just, scene? Can I just interject? Um, the character names you were looking for there were um, Whistler and yep. Blade. I don't know if you noticed the name of the movie is not Bane. <laughs> Sam, <laughs> just just grab a notebook. Next movie we do, just grab a notebook and a pencil. Right, the title and just go, Listen, okay. I'm not going to be. I'm not going to be. I'm not going to be uh, a, a browbeaten because this movie is boring and I don't have any <laughs> interest in any of these characters. the name you know of the you know main what, character, which this, is also the name this of movie, the movie. Hang on, Dave. Hang on, Dave. Hang on, Dave. Sam, if it was just this movie, I'd be like, you know what? Fair enough. Didn't catch his attention. It's every fucking movie we watch. Yeah. Oh, we had um, uh, the the person and uh, the, the 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 other girl, and they um, they did something with the plot, and then we correct you on the plot. Just 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 take some notes, Sam. Just you know the name of the main character, and maybe you know two sub sub characters. Just just. Try it out. So, so the other guy, uh, who's the bad guy, which is going to glaze Frost. He, I'm going to interject. Him. Frost. Yeah, I remember his name. So, I think I think Frost is Frost is like another one of these people who just has like endless endless scenes of him doing something unspeakably awful and not really any explanation as to why he's doing that or even his like motivation. Uh, while you'd think it would be apparent, he's trying to. What, take over the world you know he's trying to like enslave humans and stuff but the way that he's going around it just seems completely convoluted there's just so much well, and i think and well, i think I, so i have to interject here now and i have to uh, well let me just finish my point let me just finish because oh, i think we're about to have a library scene yeah here we go <laughs> my <laughs> my my some so the, the the problem i have at first up front is that this is like two types of movies. It's an action movie and a kind of, you know, vampire mystery movie, I guess you might call yeah. it. And it's trying to combine those two. It's trying to smash them together. And it ends up not doing either particularly well. 
and and I think the I think that's a massive problem. Like pick a genre, pick a style, and go for it. And that way, you also get to move, you know, remove at least twenty minutes from this movie because you're not spending loads of times in the library, or you get rid of a couple action scenes and you have a little bit more development of the characters and the plot. A lot of good points you guys have raised there, and I and now I want to challenge some of these with some questions. Um, so the first time, the first thing is the runtime in general. I want to question you guys on, but before I ask about that, I want to specifically ask you, Sam, and I don't mean this in an aggressive way, but uh, you brought it up, <laughs> and I'm uh, uh, genuinely sounds aggressive. Ross. You meant, <laughs> shut your goddamn up. no. Um, so you mentioned Deacon Frost, who. Personally, I really enjoyed all his scenes. He, you know, he, he gives off the sort of personality of like a psychopathic sort of, you know, power-hungry uh, villain. And watching his scenes, you know, and the sort of the intensity of which he plays it, I, I, I thought it was very entertaining. Um, but I'm open to sort of hearing your criticism because you mentioned that there were some scenes where he's doing something. Uh, evil or heinous and it's not exactly explained why so I would like to ask what particular scene uh, if you can give me one if you can give me more than one what particular scenes was it where he was doing something you're like well why are we seeing this I have the bit where and I might be able to explain it I might be able to explain it and then point out well this is why you weren't paying attention Sam fair enough Dave do you want to come in first I really like the Deacon Frost performance and I like him as a bad guy However, all the scenes with Deacon Frost and his gang of 90s rock stars and the <laughs> Vampire Council. Like, my question is, if you take all the Vampire Council stuff out of this movie, is it a different movie quantifiably at all, or is it just 20 minutes shorter? Right, let's just pose that, because it's a good point, and I'll maybe answer that in the course of my questions. The scenes, the scenes that I don't like with him in um, are scenes where he is pretending to be friendly to someone and then he kills them right which happens about four times the one that really sticks out to me is the cop the 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 human cop who's trying to like impress the vampires so he can get turned mm-hmm. or whatever yeah the familiars yeah yep. that, yeah so that that is a scene that i do not need to see i do not need to see him kill that kill that cop the reason being is that we have set up everything that that guy is going to that's everything's going to happen to that guy, and this is this is not this is not about the plot. This is about the filmmaking aspect of this. We see him getting beaten up by, um, we see him trying to attack Karen. We see him getting up by Blade, getting beaten up by Blade, and he's beaten to a pulp. And then he says, "Go and tell my, go and tell your boss." Blah blah blah. So he goes and sees his boss, and then he says to his boss the thing that Blade told him to say. And then we see, and then we see again that same thing of him going, "Oh, don't worry, buddy, it's fine." And then blah blah, blah he eats him, and he's dead. Just cut that out. Show his dead body, right? Send him off. Snap cut. Move it on. And the next thing we see is him dead in the pool. And I just think there's a there's a, like a there's a. It's 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 just a it's a different. Fuck! What should I say? Eighteen. There's there's something there that just doesn't need to be there. It's unnecessary and it adds to the runtime. And I think the reason that they do it is because they want to really, really show how evil he is. Guys, he is so evil. Look at him. <laughs> yeah. And I think there's just so much of that that you could get out. You could just get out of the out of the film. And what you're left with is a tighter, a tighter um, storytelling. And also, 
you know, less time in the film, less time for us to sit and watch more of these hedonistic vampires, like you know, and and, the, and the, obviously the, they're all sex and blah blah blah. And I just think I think that's that for me is an example. Now, if you'd like to tell me why that's a, a vital scene in the movie, I'm very happy to hear it. But I would suggest that it's not. No, there. I mean that's that, that's fair. That is fair. But I, I think it's to sort of show that you know the conclusion of what happens like when p- familiars sort of piss off these vampires because they're showing these vampires, especially the sort of Deacon's crew, as these rabid. Uh, uh, sadistic sort of uh, more yeah more sadistic types of vampires and so when you show the scene of sort of him delivering Blade's message and you see that the you know you see Deacon is basically saying okay you know he's got the message he's pissed off now but the officer keeps pressing it trying to get you know you know trying to get the message that you know okay you know not forgiven but you know it's let's move past it but it keeps pushing him and so then Deacon snaps and he loses patience and that's why he bites him. Um, and I get I get what you're saying that you know you could cut to you know just showing his dead body, but then you may be wondering then, well, if you don't show it, it Deacon itself himself killing the cop, because Blade mentions earlier on in the movie that if anyone sort of bleeds these guys, they have to answer to the handlers. So they have to I think they you'd need to show Deacon actually killing the cop because he's Deacon's property. Mm, I'm not convinced, Dave. Uh, I I come somewhere in the middle with this. Like I, I kind of see your point, Sam, in that it showing the whole scene is kind of unnecessary. Um, and I think it's maybe like a, we talked before about directors being quite indulgent with things, and it's maybe just an indulgent like, oh, we can have another sexy vampire party scene here. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I think that's probably the overriding reason that we get to see this scene. And also, I I but then again, for Deacon's character. And for the audience's point of view, I do think it's important for us to see this guy murdering people because he's the bad guy. But we see plenty yeah. of that. No, we, we don't, don't not actually, an... Sam. We don't see a lot of Deacon killing people. He eats this guy think... and he yeah. exposes that other vampire to the sun and yeah. then the end fight scene. And that's kind of it for Deacon. He threatens to kill that child because he's an actual killer. And that's, that's what I mean. This scene is kind of the only scene where... This vampire gets to like vampire somebody, and that's Beep, why it's yeah. in the movie. Mm. But I do agree mm. that it's maybe a bit long, and it's maybe a bit like, you know, the preceding scene with Blade saying, "You go and tell your boss," and then we cut to him, we, him coming into the party and be like, "Deacon, Deacon, Deacon, Blade just told me to tell you this," and it's a bit like, you know, maybe we could have cut to, you know, him. To, he just comes into the room and and Deacon kills him. I was just about to say something similar, Dave. Yeah, I, I would concede that you don't need that scene as long as it was. No. It could be like Dave just said. It's like I said, someone, oh, somewhere somewhere in the middle tell you this, you're dead. Yeah, but but I, I mentioned that as one of a few examples. I think of where you could just either you know shorten, fine. If you want to keep something in, fine. Shorten, cut, remove. You know, whatever you, however you want to deal with it in terms of the editing. But I, and I think that. A lot of the stuff between Karen and Blade, you know, a lot of their back and forth, which never really develops again. They don't develop that relationship particularly well. Um, and and I think there's just there's lots of examples where you think, okay, right, okay, fine, yep, send it, yep, get it. I understand, I understand what you're going for. That's great. Move on, and either move on to a scene where we are going to advance the plot, or move on to a scene where we get to see some action and. 
Um, I think too often it goes to the action point. You know, it doesn't really, which is cool. It's cool. Don't get me wrong. It's my, it's my favorite thing about this film is the action. But I kind of want a stronger core of the actual plot through the movie. Um, which you know, when you read the thing on Wikipedia, is really quite complicated. There's a lot of different things going on. There's a lot of different like the politics. Yeah, the politics. I mean, so the politics. Give me more of that. That I yeah. love. I love to see the the more moderate vampires saying that we live well, with these people. We need to try and find a way of us being, you know, to, to get. The our funny film. thing is, there are better films that explore that themes. Um, those themes, sorry, and and it's kind of a problem with this. Is where is it trying to do too much? I think. I think you mentioned before about this this film picking a lane, Sam, and and again, I enjoyed this, but it, I kind of agree that it needs to pick define itself a little bit more clearly. Is it, you know, a a vampire mystery or is it a vampire slasher? And and you know, the first half of this film is much more of like a it's a vampire slasher. It's it's what if what if we had Batman and it was vampires. You know, and and that's great. And I, you know, really for me, the stronger half of the film is that front half, and the second half is a much more of this like, oh, the blood god, we're resurrecting the blood god, and I, I honestly oh, can't stand it when, yeah, when it when a film like unnecessarily like crowbars in stuff like that. Why does he have to be invoking an ancient ritual? Why do we have this vampire council? Why can't Deacon just be an evil vampire? Because vampires are already pretty evil, so we're nearly there. You know why can't he yeah. just be like, oh, he's gonna, he's gonna, you know, um, order an assault on somewhere. He's going to, you know, try and do this thing to make nights longer, or he's going to something. Let, why isn't it something let's else? See, let Let's see some scenes when Frost is is messing around with the humans at large. You know what I mean? Like we see a bit of it, but not really. We we don't see anyone. We don't see people running around as the vampires just ravage the streets of Los Angeles. Do you know what I mean? Like I just think there's a lot more that they could have, they could have, they could have done to give us a give us a reason for all of these things happening, not just because there's a prophecy, not because there's a chosen one, not because he's just evil. Do you know what I mean? There's just like there's just a lot of stuff here where I don't think there's a clear vision about um, what they what they want to achieve from the movie, and it's trying to cram too much in. Well, and there was a few things, Sam, that got cut. So um, I'm sure you you know this as well, Ross. That um, I don't know if you've seen Blade Trinity, which is the third one of these yes. movies. So in the third in the third movie, like quite a big plot point that the film revolves around is that vampires are basically kidnapping humans and turning them into the basically yeah, but they're basically in the same way that in the Matrix, all the people are plugged into these giant batteries. The vampires are plugging all these people into giant like. They're they're in yeah chemical induced comas and they basically like they just bleed them yeah they keep them as cattle basically but like they're asleep yeah mm. and that that was something that was originally written for this film and they and they basically just didn't they couldn't fit it in <laughs> so this is why you get this kind of like I think that's well, why that, all this was... vampire council stuff is in there and <coughs> excuse me and they sort of like they take half a step towards it but then you know they decided not to have that in the film properly although there is a scene where you see some of these blood bags. They decide not to have well, that be the it, thing. Yeah, there is. 
they, they were originally going to have it where, sorry to correct you on this, Dave, but they were originally going to have it, like you say, where La Magra, it would basically be like a vampire plague where everyone would be turned. And then the final scene basically would be Blade and Dr. Jensen, Karen Jensen would be sort of like, they'd, they have failed and they set that up as the sequel where they go around sort of destroying these food reserves. But they weren't sure if a sequel was going to happen. And so that uh, sort of, writing part of it or that part of the story was scrapped in favour of La Magra be you know jumping into Deacon Frost at the end right mm. can I can, so I, I think that sounds interesting right so and, and I think and I do have good things to say about this movie as well but just to put out so the first again the first thing is a lack of clarity about what we're actually here to do and the other thing that I think is really dissatisfying is that there's not really, like, thematically in this movie, we don't touch on any of these things. And vampires are traditionally, you know, they, 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 they represent, historically, they represent an awful lot. And an awful lot gets baggy. You know, the baggage of, of the vampire is, is, quite, is quite clear. Um, there's, the, there's the lust thing. There's the sexuality thing. You know, there's so much wrapped around vampires as a horror and why we find them scary. Um, I think it's really interesting, and, and why we find them sexy. Don't forget about that. Exactly, exactly. And the film doesn't. It 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 goes sexy in a superficial way, you know, like there's people getting head and whatever. But it doesn't really. <laughs> wow, some <laughs> just really just throwing that out there. But, but, there, but there getting isn't... head. Sam Jordan, twenty twenty. <laughs> well, I there think isn't... Sam. I just I don't I don't want to interrupt into any point here, but like. It's you kind of like in vampire on screen vampires on the screen, you kind of have this demarcation, don't you? Of like old school like Dracula, you know, very grandiose, very like, you know, ancient magic and all that. You go from that to something like this where, you know, Deacon and his buddies are a bunch of like, you know, um twenty something uh club rats and do, do you know what I mean? And they're all like and you yeah. get these more sort of like grimy street vampires, so to speak, um, and you know that's and so it's kind of like warping the the genre a little bit until you get to the sort of like the more you know ten years after this you get like the Twilight Saga and stuff like that, which goes even further to like oh aren't vampires just lovely, um, and so it's kind of like a it's towing that fine line. But I think what we forget is it's nineteen ninety eight, and this is quite an early example of that kind of vampire movie. Yeah, and and the film is the film is like purposefully making that distinction with the with the council, you know, and like they're they're your Christopher Lee style vampires, yeah. aren't they? All sitting there in their comically um, uh, austere office, like where where is that? <laughs> what what building did they build? How is who's the architect for that building? It's downtown. Don't worry. Yeah, about whereas it. Deacon <laughs> Frost is basically Tyler Durden in a lot of ways, you know. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's cool, right? But but that is incidental thematically to the rest of the film. If they if they had it as like if they almost nodded more obviously to we ain't your granddad's vampires, you know, we're not gonna sit in our coffins, we're not gonna we're not gonna have our stakes. Um and 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 you know, even the fact that they're scared of garlic and stuff, or that garlic hurts them and, and all of that is like it's it's referencing, but it's also. I just felt like it could do more to be, um, 
he could do more to like tread new ground. I think he does to a certain extent, Sam, and maybe, you know, um, I've seen this before and, I'm, and maybe not as Ross, so I sort of sit in the middle of here, but um, there are scenes where like uh, Whistler is talking to Karen and he's saying like, crosses, they don't work, ignore that, don't believe what you've seen on TV, basically, and they're kind of like, they do try and sort of establish yeah. that, yeah. that it, you know, it is a little bit different and it's kind of like a little sort of, sort of nod there. Um, but I guess the trouble is that this is based on a comic book, a Marvel comic book, even, and uh, you know, so a lot of that's already been established, and it's difficult to get around it. Mm-hmm. What do we like about this movie then? Um, and maybe, maybe uh, go back to you, Ross, in terms of things that you know, like standout things that you're really attracted to this film. Sure. I mean, I've mentioned uh, the 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 consistent uh, sort of quality action scenes, the martial arts bits in it the gunfights, they're all like uh, again, entertaining to watch um, the things I like, uh, I'll list them off and we can sort of discuss them, but number one, the cast really strong cast I think Wesley Snipes, Chris Christopherson um, the guy who plays Deacon Frost his name escapes me now um, <laughs> uh, but yeah I mean, I'll, Chris Christopherson he was absolutely brilliant, I mean I want him to be my dad, he's so cool um, and then uh, I like the, the, the in the true sort of like Batman esque sort of character, they uh, inject little bits of comedy with the uh, with Blade's character at a time like that bit where the uh, Karen Jensen is attacked, and sort of Blade picks her up and the cops shoot at him, and he turns around and he's like motherfucker you out of your damn mat you know like that voice and it's just it's yeah. so it's a break from the stoic you know brooding silence. Um, and there's a couple of lines he has, you know, where he's being sarcastic or he's being uh, too blunt with the truth, and it's it's just entertaining. Um, other other things I liked. Well, before um, we move on, Ross, just on the cast, um, I agree with um, Wesley Snipes. I think does an excellent job as Blade because he is funny, and because he's so relentlessly cool as well. Like when I saw this <laughs> yeah. as a kid, Wesley Snipes as Blade is the coolest person. He's got that leather duster. Uh, he's like, he doesn't give a fuck. It's wonderful, honestly, everything about it is just like the confidence with which he does stuff when um, he he uses Karen as bait and she immediately knows he's used her as bait <laughs> and she's really angry at him and he's like, well, you know, I needed to find out. Get over it. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I'm just doing my job, love. And it's it's this perfect, yeah. sort of like you said, it's this it's this kind of like this black humour about Blade, Blade. And and it's it's nice to have it be quite light, and it's not like him stopping to make one-liners. It's just <laughs> it's not him quipping exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. I think the casting is good. Wesley Snipes is excellent, and I think I think so much of this movie, like it could fall apart so quickly, so quickly within the first like ten minutes, this movie could fall apart if you didn't <laughs> have someone who was able to really, really pull off uh, what is sometimes kind of campy you know there's like there is an element of of him yeah. you know quipping his way through scenes and and it's not overdone i don't hate it at all but it, like he he does a good well of selling that which is uh, a good job of selling that which is d- difficult to do you know so fair play um deacon frost is played by stephen dorf and i that's it i kind of like his performance it's a bit too much maybe it's a bit overacted and i think you could accuse a, a, a fair few of the cast are doing that. I think it's probably the direction. It's a little bit like I could maybe do without again the pretending to be happy and then killing someone all the time. Or, or it just all turned up to eleven. Except actually, 
Um, I, I really liked the, uh, is it uh, Nabouche Wright's um, performance yeah. as Karen? Yeah. Karen Jensen. Yeah, yeah, I think she is pretty, is, is really, really good in this film. I think she's got a difficult job of, like, she's not a shrieking violet at all. And um, she actually does, you know, she, she she picks up her role pretty pretty quickly of being like kind of a sidekick type of thing. Yeah. To, to you know, she's not just sat there waiting for um, Blade to save her all the time. Um, and I think that's a difficult thing to do to get that right, to get that tonally right. You know, while also still being obviously she's human, so she's vulnerable. Um, all the while, she's going to turn into the vampire and all this stuff. All these interesting dynamics. I think she balances it well. No, definitely, um, I agree. Uh, the last person I want to mention on the cast, actually, before we move on, is Donald Logue, who plays like the oh yeah Quinn, who's like um, Quinn Frost, sort of like number one guy, lieutenant. Um, yeah, and this is a really weird performance because in the start of the film, I thought number one he gets killed like immediately by Blade, um, or, <laughs> or so we think, um, and he's speaking Russian or Romanian or something, but then. That is the only time he's speaking Romanian or something, and then the rest of this movie, he's just the dude from um, <laughs> the Big Lebowski. From the Big Lebowski. Yeah. He's just like long haired, <laughs> he's got a beard, and he just wants to get high and fuck ladies. Yeah, and man. like, and that's fine. But I was reading the trivia that basically his role was initially like he would be killed by Blade after he bites Karen. But the mm. director really, really liked Donald Logue's like energy. So they kept him in other scenes and he just ad-libbed all of his dialogue from That's then on amazing. out, which is why the character is so weird and like it's dissonance from the character he is in that first scene when he comes back later and he grows his arm back and then he loses it again. And then, <laughs> and then Blade just kills him in a second. And like he's quite a funny character, provides this sort of comic relief that you didn't know you needed. And, and all of it is just because the director liked him and it's a really weird sort of like, what? That's yeah. so just such bad filmmaking, but fine, it works. But but yeah, but the result was fantastic, and it it was like you said those sort of organic moments where it comes through with the undercuff of humour, uh, and it really is entertaining. And like you said, till it comes to the abrupt end where you're they're gearing up for he's like um, he's like come and get me, Blade. Like, and, oh, yeah, he's like arming yeah, himself. I've got and... two new hands. I don't know which one to kill you with first. And next thing, dead. He's dead. Done. <laughs> That's him out of the movie. It's brilliant. Yeah. Um. Other things I liked, uh, unless we want to talk about the cast a bit more. Uh, All good. I'm good. No, one of the one of the best opening scenes. Oh, so, uh, well, sort of opening scenes that you know the nightclub scene. Oh, I fucking love blood yeah. nightclub. The uh, <laughs> the underground slaughterhouse. Um. So I think that's that brings up the wider point. I think the set, the sets in this film are almost universally brilliant. Like every single set piece, every single place they go, is just is just great. Like the the bit at the end with the with when when Blades in that weird uh, tomb thing, um, and oh, yeah. the blood's dripping down. That's really cool. The as I mentioned already, the council um, room, whatever that is. Like again, it's just it's so it's so <laughs> the corporate headquarters, yeah. the corporate headquarters of the League of Evil Inc. <laughs> Vampire dot Inc. It's just. It's just so cool, so cool looking, and yeah, that scene. That and I think I think they they because again, what again criticism? You could place that scene pretty much anywhere in the movie, and you could interchangeably move all of these action scenes and just put them anywhere, 
and then just change the outcome. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, it doesn't really matter. And I think what they did correctly is they said, this looks great. This opening is brilliant. Yeah, Let's the production use... design is really good. And I think that opening sequence, like Ross said, um, up till we meet Blade, I think is just... I think they they nail the tension in it. I, and it goes on just long enough for you to be like, what exactly is going to happen here? Mm-hmm. And like, you yeah. know it's Blade and you know there are vampires somewhere and you like, these guys are all vampires, right? And... And it kind of like, but you're waiting for the for the gut punch. You're waiting for this guy to be eaten, and then the DJ just like releases all of this blood from a sprinkler system, and it's like, what the fuck? And, it, and it's all yeah. mad. And then Blade appears, and it's like starts killing people. It's just, re- honestly, rarely like this is a real testament to this, this the, the greatness of this opening. I was watching this avidly. I was excited. I was really really intrigued as to what was coming next. And I've seen this film before. And and it just yeah. really captures you. That opening is is wonderfully paced and wonderfully shot, and really exciting and really really cool and probably the coolest bit of the whole film for me. But, but, <laughs> for, that lasts about thirty minutes for me. After about half an hour, I think you really start to see the, you see the difficulties that this had. Uh, I think they. I think it was originally like one hundred and forty minutes long, and and there was. Longer than Star Wars, and then they they had to do some really heavy edits. And I think I think you can see that the opening. I I'm gonna guess and say the opening is largely unchanged because it's just it's so good. It sets the character so well. It subverts your um, expectations uh, quite well, but without but but also giving you kind of what you need and what you want. You know, which is which is really really uh, well paced action, but. I think after that thirty minute mark, once you get into the Council of Elders and all that stuff, um, you you you're left to kind of fend for yourself a little bit. And that's what I felt this movie. I'm like, all oh, right, okay, so this is the thing, and and this guy is the oh, that's the council, and he doesn't want to blah blah. And you, I think that that pacing falls down dead quick for me, which I think is a real shame because I was really into it for the first half hour. Hello, Ross. <laughs> we were doing things that you yeah. really liked, Ross, and so we'd finished up talking about that thing that you mentioned. Oh, so, well, I, I, yeah. Well, I just want to make sure Sam was done. Um, yeah. Well, I, I, I'm. I'm. Uh, we'll just come in from here. Well, I'm glad you really liked the opening scene, Sam, and, and I get that. You know, that for again the pacing, like you said, after thirty minutes, it sort of like stops dead for you a little bit. And I think, but again, for me. I quite enjoyed it because back then I wasn't massively into the sort of the you know the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I, and I wasn't too familiar with it. But this movie, with this movie, I was able to easily sort of pick it up, and I think it's one of those movies where on the surface, first time you're watching, he's a good guy. All the vampires are bad guys. Enjoy the action, and as you rewatch it, then you know you sort of you're picking up on the you know the subplots. You know, like you mentioned, the vampire politics, the the the, the the power struggle, you know, within, you know, and how they own the sort of the sort of the hu- they own the humans in certain areas, like the police and whatnot. And I think for me, on sort of repeated wa- uh, viewings, I, you know, I picked up a bit more, and so that's why it's so easy for me to sort of reel off the the lore and uh, whatnot because the for me the action carries it through in the first viewing, and then I'm able to pick up other things afterwards. Um. I think that's for, for the most part that's everything I enjoyed. Like I enjoyed the movie as a whole. I would I would concede that they could have done to edit it down a little bit more. Um, well, basically, the big, whole, the big problem, yeah. Ross, and we we're going to keep coming back to this, I'm sure. But um, 
maybe get closer every time is that like the opening's really good and then you have some quite interesting like scenes where sort of Karen and Blade become acquainted and that's all right and then we meet Whistler and that's so that's interesting because we get a bit of exposition about what's going on and what Blade is mm-hmm. and stuff like that and then after that we get the council of elders and we get Frost doing stuff and all the while Blade is and and Karen and Whistler aren't really doing a lot they hunt down that cop and beat him up and then they're in literally in like an underground library um torturing yeah. a big See, fat vampire for question mark reasons <laughs> and i i would argue that 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 the council of vampires would have been unnecessary like you know showing them because you know they showed them so they showed uh, frost because he was turned he he wasn't born a vampire or a pure blood well that's something so that's never him. really clear in this film as well actually like what do you mean born a vampire born like two vampires fuck and they have a baby I don't it literally, it literally cannot be that simple, Ross. Like, I'm quite it into is. like vampire movies as a rule, and and for me that was a bit like, why do we then need to establish that Deacon Frost is like a a lower class vampire? You know, can't he just be because young? That's, can't well, again that, thematically they never pay. They, they kind of don't like. They set it up and they talk about it, but they don't really. It's don't not a big part of the. Yeah, it's not a big part of the film. I guess maybe in no. the end they kill all of the elders, don't they? That's yeah. That's what I was thinking. They they need to establish these guys as yeah for later for when they kill them. Like, well, who are these people are killing? But again, your new world order or whatever you're creating. I I, I just I want to see a bit more of that 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 um the, the the wider context and we get a wee bit of it and that's the bit I really like. I'm intrigued by, but then you just don't really see much more beyond um, beyond that. In terms of things I like, trying to be positive about this film. I think that the um, some of the cinematography is really, really interesting to watch, and I was, I was, I, you know, when you kind of like maybe when you get bored of a film, you start to glaze over a little bit, you start to appreciate it on a different level, and the use of like they move quite a lot from very, very long shots to close shots, or it happens quite a few times, and I think it's really intentional to try and kind of like snap the viewer um, into the action um, you get lots of movement and uh, going round and round characters um, as they're kind of fighting and there's all these like strange angles and it's very it's very dark um, and I think a lot of that style you can see later on in other action movies in, in other like kind of superhero movies that real like fast-paced action but also while keeping things in focus so you don't lose um the 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 effect and and that's the the kind of second part of that is i think the effects in this are really really impressive for 1998 yes. like there's there's a heck of a until, lot that they go for until anyone gets in a car you've talked about these car scenes i don't think they're that bad so like i kind of agree speed with up the playback it's that's actually not what i was referring to as it happens um but we'll get to that what I'm referring to is specifically there are one or two scenes where Blade gets in his car and starts driving away. And honestly, I think I could create the same effect with a four foot long piece of paper and two sticks. It looks like it's just a static bit of paper being like spun round on a pulley behind the back window when he's in the driver's seat. It's such right, a yeah. really, really jarred me. And there's a couple of times of that of like it's 98, we can do a better traffic in the background shot 
that a static piece of paper being wound round, essentially. Yeah. The, the other one with cars, and you've alluded to it, Ross, is um, they they speed up if uh, one chase scene in particular, mm. and um, it just looks totally, totally weird. I actually thought it's almost comical. I actually thought, is there something wrong with my stream? Is like Amazon being silly? <laughs> Is it, is it lagging and then like catching up? Yeah, you know how like sometimes, and I just thought, what is going on? And it's then quite I was like, a lazy carried... technique, isn't it, in filmmaking where it's unnecessary. They film it's unnecessary, a car chase, like... but for safety reasons, they don't want to be doing 110 miles an hour down these alleyways. So they'll film it, at, you know, 40, 45, whatever they do, and then they'll just speed up the frame rate so the car looks like it's going quicker. But the thing is that you can tell, your eye can always tell that it's been sped up. Yeah, but then there's a shot where they, the cars driving are driving past, and you can still see them, and then someone, one of the the vampires start like eating each other or something, and they didn't slow that bit down. So, <laughs> to clarify, to clarify to our listener, they weren't eating each other in a sexual nature. It was a vampire feeding on a human. Right there we go. Thank you, Ross. <laughs> Thank you. No problem. Our, our vampire correspondent. Know. Um, <laughs> the more you know, G-I-R-O. so so he he's biting the human, and then that happens in fact in like super speed as well. <laughs> yeah, and you're like, you, why why didn't yeah. you just slow it down for that bit? So we could so that didn't look like completely silly and like it's it's being wound too fast. You know what I mean? Like the whole yeah. So yeah. So that is actually it goes against my point, which was that I like the cinematography and some of the effects, but the effect I really like was when he. Um, Blade is is pushing the guy. I can't remember his name, of course. His, the guy's face against the train, and you, oh, yeah. and you can see Quint. his face like deteriorating a bit. Scraping off. It's funny, but 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 I think I think some of the violence is like a little bit too much. It's a little bit distracting, and a bit like um, mm, okay, okay, right, yep, I get what you're going for. But I think in in that scene, I really liked how how they just went full force and they didn't hide behind it, which for 1998, they could so easily have said, right, let's just show it a bit, but quickly move away because we don't believe, we don't trust our effects, effects basically. And I think that's what they, uh, yeah. that's what they, they double down on is like, we're going to show you every single detail of this, even if it looks a little bit janky, but most of the time it doesn't, you know, and I think I respect that. That's mm-hmm. a good thing to do. And I, th- I think as well, Sam, you know, you have to give it like some credit as well, you know, using special effects from 22 years ago um, and it still looks decent, you know, in like in this day and age, mm. uh, you know, so that only sort of all more gives them all the more credit for like pulling it off in 1998. Yeah. The, the only thing that I'm reading is that in the final scene, um, I think you mentioned this earlier, Dave, is oh. that originally it was going to be Blade versus Frost, but Frost has transformed into some a kind of tornado. Yeah, blood, blood tornado. And you see a little bit of this effect. You see a little bit of the blood and how it would have looked. And thank yeah. goodness they didn't do that. Thank goodness they just went for a straight fight. <laughs> right. Yeah. It it was it was janky at best. Yeah. But again, it's nineteen ninety eight. But so the, the the important thing is they made the right the right choice by not having you know, the final battle, you're using that that difficult fluid dynamic to, um, effect. Yeah, totally. Um, I think that's you know I think we you know not to over, over make it overwrought. Um, I think we're coming towards the end of 
things we liked and didn't like uh, as a rule. Um, so obviously, like as is quite often the case, um, Ross represents uh, you know one side of the spectrum and Sam the other, and I'm sort of coming down somewhere in the middle. Uh, so I guess anything else, Ross, that you you know you directly want to sort of comment on. comment on, talk about, you know, anything that you want to just highlight, really. Um, I think I'll just touch on just a little bit of tri- trivia on uh, like the character Whistler, um, because it, I, I find it quite interesting because uh, Whistler was actually introduced. Dave, you'll know this. He was in, he wasn't uh, an established character in the Blade comics. He was only introduced. Uh, with Blade in the Spider-Man animated series in the nineties, and basically, and, and like I know Marvel, this because liked... I watched like forty episodes of that this year. <laughs> but yeah, like so, he wasn't the character before that. Um, but Marvel liked the character Whistler so much that they basically incorporated incorporated him into the comics. Then, much like Harley Quinn was in the Batman animated series, and they liked Harley Quinn so much they incorporated her into as a fully the as a fully fledged sort of character. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and I just love it, and I just and if it wasn't for the animated series, we wouldn't have had Chris Christopherson being a badass bounty hunting vampire killer. It's really interesting which, uh, as well because, like, what is that decision in in the Spider Man Spider Man the animated series? It's an episode where someone that that Peter Parker's at uni at college with um, accidentally turns himself into a vampire because Morbius, Morbius yeah, accidentally turns himself into a vampire, and so then Blade shows up, and like from twenty twenty, you're watching it thinking. <laughs> And then Blade shows up, <laughs> um, and you're like, "What? What year?" I thought you sat there thinking, "Like, isn't the animated series from like '93 or something like that? It's a lot earlier than this film." And and so mm-hmm. it just feels like a, a weird sort of thing. And then you have to remind yourself that Blade is a Marvel property and was a comic book line, you know, before the film and before even he was in the animated series. But it's been widely commented as well, like that Blade sort of was one of the movies that helped sort of paved the way you know mm. for the the uptake in the you know the comic book adopted movies because it, this movie came out like just a year after batman and robin which was a f- farce it's a very oh, i can't wait it's to a very that movie. different movie yeah you're right ross and <laughs> i think on a this is really formative and um in our schedule in a few weeks i think actually probably not towards the sort of middle of october i think uh we'll be watching underworld um which is the cake blanchett sort of like vampire werewolf movie from 2000, uh, might just be 2000 actually, and that's that. You can really see the DNA of Blade in that movie, mm-hmm. uh, being another sort of like, you know, um, action sort of vampire movie. And there's there's a few that came later. And I mean, I could talk for hours about, you know, the various iterations of vampire movies, but um, you know, you can really see the DNA of this movie in quite a lot of the sort of like dark, dark and noir films that we get, you know, in the arts. And and that's and that's I think that context is really important actually, and maybe we, we should have you know we we should have discussed this earlier. But what what I was I was reading up on this, less than two years before this film, Marvel had filed for bankruptcy, um, <laughs> and you know like we so we and I think a lot of the traditional properties that they'd been going for, Iron Man, Captain America, etc hadn't hadn't you know didn't have the same cultural impact they had today and for anyone who wasn't born you know if anyone was born in 2000 listen to this you'd be completely forgiven in thinking that superhero films yeah yeah and superheroes even just the concept of them have always been a universal peak uh uh pop culture 
properties and that is just not the case it's just not the case and i think i think you kind of yeah you kind of have to give blade a little bit of a pass because it's trying something completely new and it's trying yes. to you know the film the, the the film that marvel put out before this was howard the duck in 19 the, the biggest one uh, but but was still completely panned in 1986 and then you've got and then you've just got like the straight to straight to video stuff and this um, this made money as well. And this was a bit of a surprise. This was a huge success. success. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A huge success. But and and don't forget, like uh, you know, and I'm I'm gonna sort of like you know bang on the blade drum here as well. But don't forget, like as a sort of as a comic book movie, you know, like comic book movies nowadays in modern times, you know, they don't necessarily have to rely on that single movie to get their whole story across. You know, like they'll have they'll have sequels already signed, already in contracts, already scheduled, as well as sort of like you know big tie-in movies with the next sort of group of heroes movie. Do you know what I mean? To get that whole story arc out about this character, whereas Blade are trying to sort of do that in one concise movie itself. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, I think that's fair. I think that's really fair, and I think you've got to yeah you have got to give it some credit. I think it fails in it fails in its execution as a movie. Um, mm-hmm. But maybe not as a property, I would say. Do you know what I mean? And, and I, I, I can, yeah, that makes sense. I understand. And the cool factor is is kind of enough. It's kind of enough there to, to maybe <laughs> yeah. sell it. Um, well, I think but, that but, definitely is a fact, Sam. Um, that but, but it was cool enough. Exactly, and that's why. <laughs> that's why Wesley Snipes will be relieved. Sam thinks you're cool. <laughs> Welcome, I don't think Wesley. I think in Wesley's I don't think Wesley Snipes gives a fuck. Um, no, no, Wesley Snipes is relieved. I promise you. <laughs> but this film He's obviously relieved. spawned two sequels, which is pretty impressive. You know, generally in two thousand and two and two thousand and four, respectively. Um, and Ron Perlman in the second as well. Yeah, and I wanted to mention that this film was written by a guy called David S. Goyer, who um, wrote quite a lot of other films we're familiar with. So. He wrote Batman Begins, and he also mm. wrote the stories for The Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Rises. Oh, right. Wow. Uh, he did Man of Steel. He did Batman vs. Superman. He did Terminator Dark Fate as a writer. And uh, Jumper, if you saw that, he wrote that as well. Um, Dark City, which is not a good film, but you've definitely seen it, Ross. Um, and, <clears throat> you know, he's... Uh, obviously worked but you can sort of see that like people were still looking back and thinking we want the guy who wrote Blade Mm. you know so Mm. I guess we're shitting on this and everything but it's I guess its impact maybe outweighs the actual um, you know the the, the condensed quality of this film maybe yeah yeah um so I guess are we are we I mean I think we're maybe getting close to, to wrapping up and I have I have a final statement that I'd like to put forward. Before before you put that out, sure. Tom, I think uh, we've got to you know keep in with tradition. Bechdel <laughs> test. I mean I know the answer already. So no, hold on, hold on. I want to I want to well, read out the thing and we'll do it properly. So sure. the Bechdel test is a media metric applied to films and television to basically assess how well represented female characters are because in movies much like this movie. Women tend to get a fairly rough ride of things and aren't well represented as a gender. Uh, and they tend not a rough ride. They tend not wow. to have much agency, and this is a historical thing that you know I think is still an issue in a lot of stuff today. To be perfectly honest, um, 
And all the Bechdel test is a pass-fail. All it asks is that two named female-identifying characters have a conversation that is not about a man. Now, there are, in fact, four named women in this film. Hmm. Dr. Karen Jensen. Dr. Karen Jensen. Blade's mom. She's called Vanessa Brooks. And that, that is mentioned various times. Would you have a name for her? Um, yeah. You have Raquel is the sexy vampire lady who lures that guy to the nightclub in the first scene and then I think she's killed. Ah. Um, and you have Baby who is the creepy blonde Swedish the blonde woman who Blade kills. Yeah. Oh no, sorry. Um, Karen kills at the end of the film, I think. Yes, she does. She sprays her with the, the garlic mist. So, like, in terms of named female characters, that's actually not bad for 98. <laughs> for a superhero yeah. movie. It's really not bad. And I and we touched before, I think that the Karen Jensen character maybe does have some agency and is not... And again, we're, we're three guys, so what do we know? But, like, is maybe, you know, not a horrible example of, you know, loads of female tropes or anything. And I think he's, like, quite a character with some weight and some agency and some intelligence and some I thought she was pretty cool. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So and does think... this So does this pass or fail then? Oh it fails. Sorry. Um I, sh- I should have led with that maybe. Um these characters never interact. Well sorry, don't... Raquel and Baby uh take the tops off and dance in the nightclub before the blood starts coming down. Um but I personally don't think doesn't, that passes the battle right. test for me. Doesn't I know the scene you're gonna bring up Sam and no doesn't about Raquel Blake. and Karen don't they speak because um, no. they have a fight, don't they? Baby and Karen. Well, no, because it, Karen Karen is shooting out of the shotgun, and then she managed like to run up to her, and knocks the shotgun out of her hand, and says, "I'm really going to enjoy this," and then she gets sprayed with the mace. I don't think that counts as a conversation. It does. Well, no, because Karen Jensen says nothing back to her. A conversation is me and you speaking. It's a single other, line exchange, you. isn't it, Dave? I mean, what for me, as the arbiter of everything. Um, this isn't this isn't a pass. If you were going to yeah, argue right. it, Sam, I don't know what I'm arguing. I don't know what I'm arguing. You were going to argue it, Sam. Of, if you want to put down women by alleging that they are well represented in Blade from 1998, I agree. Then that's your business, Sam. But the I'll, stick to me though was just looking for the looking for the technical pass. But yes, yeah, so yeah. let's let's call it a fail. I, anyway. I don't think that counts as a pass because it's you know by one line exchange in my mind is kind of like you kind of need a line and then a response. Like you need one line from yeah. each character. And, and this film doesn't achieve that. Um, I so, do think that Karen and Vanessa interact, Blade's mother, but they only talk about Blade. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. And I'm I'm sorry to do this, Sam, because I know you have a statement, but I there was one thing I wanted to bring up, uh, and it's actually a negative point about the movie, <gasps> and I'm sorry to do this, but was anyone else weirded out by the conversation between Blade and his mother? You know when like Blade is strapped to the like that tomb thing before what, and she's trying it? to kiss kiss him. And she's like rubbing her nose on his lips Ugh. and stuff like I've hunted, I've killed I was like, What the hell is like what is going on here? So I have a response to this and it's a like it's something that I added to the film it's a sort of like retroactively. In Buffy the Vampire Slayer, there's quite a lot of scenes where to explain what vampires are, someone says um, you know, or that someone's friend's been turned into a vampire and she says, oh, but it's it's Billy or something. And somebody says, no, listen, that isn't your friend. Your friend's dead. That's a monster who's wearing his face. And, like, obviously... This she film, says that as well. This She says that. I'm Your mother's been dead a long... Has been dead a long time, yeah, yeah. she says. And so. 
And so that's kind of like the film Fair. trying to say to you that like this is not his mother. This is just the vampire that is inhabiting his mother. And that's why you yeah. get that, that weird scene. And it's all that she she's doing it to make Blade feel uncomfortable and like. But I would say that, that. I, I well, think well, the film maybe could have done a better job at, at telling you that. Yeah, I was a bit weirded out. It's still weird, <laughs> to be honest. Well, I'll, I'll make a note. Ross, not into incest. Okay, surprising, <laughs> surprising. I'm so cutting that from the episode. <laughs> so cutting that from the episode. Um, so my, so yeah, I, I think that's that's fair enough. My final statement, right, and I've been saving this, and I didn't say it earlier because I don't want to over-egg it, but I think fundamentally Wire. this is a stupid movie. And that is that is a specific thing that I'm talking about, which is it's a stupid movie, not because of anyone involved in making it, but because the people in the movie do stupid things for stupid reasons. And I think this oh, film is a... Like what? Well... I'll, I'll get to that I think there's a lot in this movie where you think why did you do that what was the what was like what's the reason that you did that a lot of Karen a lot of Karen's actions are like kind of okay all of that's, Karen's actions yeah that's that's a weird thing to do like you know the, all the when she starts uh, messing around with with a I know she's a hematologist and all that but still you should you should maybe not get get involved. You should maybe run away from this entire situation and not get so invested in all this. In all this, um, a lot of uh, Deacon's stuff is again. You, there's maybe better ways that you want to try and achieve what you're doing. It's very complicated. It's very convoluted what you're doing. All this, and I think that there's a lot throughout this film. A lot of the plot that gets dragged into different directions is because I just think it's fundamentally pretty stupid. Now. If you don't mind that, and I'm not calling anyone who likes this film stupid, Ross, to be clear, if you can just look past it because it's cool and because, like, there's good action and, you know, there's things happen, that's fine. I'm completely with you there. But I think it's reasonable enough to suggest that this is not a movie that's trying to, like, plumb the depths of anything, of anything that's really substantial. It's a stupid movie and that's okay. As long as no, I mean as, it's not Schindler's List. I wouldn't call no, it. I'm, no, no, no. And I'm not statements I wasn't right? expecting Ross to make. Well, it's not Schindler's I'm not List. Suggesting, I'm not suggesting. I'm <laughs> that it needs to be. I'm not suggesting that it needs to be intelligent. I'm not saying that it needs to have some like amazing twist or something we haven't seen before. I'm suggesting that the things it does and the characters in the movie are stupid. That's what I'm saying. And the reason and everyone's stupid, right? Because it's a stupid movie, and so when you when you it, it, it doesn't stick out as being like ridiculously um, obscene the decisions they make, but you go, well, you wouldn't do that, would you? You wouldn't react that way to any of like this. Like what, stuff. Sam? I'm ge- I'm genuinely interested. Like like what? L- like Karen. So Karen's a great example of a character that is yeah. basically attacked and murdered, for in effect, mm-hmm. then is told that she's a vampire, and instead of instead of um, running away, she just goes all in and she becomes completely involved in, in this situation. Uh, I would argue that, though, because, like, the, you know, they bring her back to her home. And, like, obviously we know now that, you know, Blade is using her as bait. But, like, she sprays... Like, it's, it's, it's not as if she... Like, she was going to run away from it. But 
when she sort of she sort of brought along sort of not forcefully but she has to and she's sort of seen that like that this world is legit like i get what you're saying like if it was me or you you know and, and like this shit was happening yeah you would head for the hills but if we were in her situation where we go back to our house we're packing our shit a cop you know shows up and it's, and like you sort of try and you know you're nervous so you tactically you know it, it plays out the same way i don't think you would have done anything different really because you know then the cops are you can't trust the police so your whole sort of the sort of system of you know to protect the public you you know that doesn't apply to you anymore so I don't know if you would maybe maybe I'm just sort of no, no, too defensive of the movie but I don't think you would do anything different fair enough fair enough however as much as as much as I think this film lacks the tact and lacks like the the the, the subtleties to get through to to what it needs to do I think there are interesting elements there, and I and I, I like them. I appreciate it. I just wish that they'd made better decisions about the motivation of the characters and them being stupid, but also just fundamentally remove a heck of a lot from the film because you just don't need it all there. Mm. And that for me is mm. where it really falls apart. Is like you can go all in on this fairly complicated plot, but just give me enough then to keep me going, and that's what it doesn't do. It doesn't give me enough to move from scene to scene to scene without me getting a little bit bored and i'm not really really bored i'm just a little bit bored and as we've said before you know being bored in a movie is like the ultimate sin um so even just to get a, a wee bit bored in this i think that's a, a problem for me well then um i think that pretty much wraps us up to be honest guys unless anyone has got any final thoughts or maybe a bit of trivia or something um but as far as i go like i said i think i sit somewhere in between uh, where I really liked this film as as a whole, I think maybe there is some dead weight in the middle, and the end is very overstuffed. A bit like they're trying to unpack too much in you know in too little time, really. Um, but I think that's that's probably down to sort of like some writing issues and maybe some other rewrites involved in, like we touched on the 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 ending having to be redesigned. Um, but this is fun. This isn't a waste of your time. Um, it's interesting. It's interesting in terms of like. The history of of this genre to sort of track it. Um, this is totally a nineties movie, um, you know, and and there's yeah. there's something to be said for that. It's a real place in time with that. Um, and Wesley Snipes is great in it. Yeah, I've got a lot of time. And for also, Snipes. I'm probably cool. Team Whistler for Dad too. Yeah, definitely. Chris Christopherson, man, yeah. he's just a cool dude. I just wanted to tuck me in at night and then go to the porch with a shotgun and drink half a pint of whiskey. Well, that's yeah. You know, he plays guitar on the porch. Wonderful. You feel safe. <laughs> you guys are right. <laughs> Sam, to be honest, uh, you should be affected more by this guy. I don't. I don't know. I don't know how you're immune to Chris Christopherson. But you what you mean, um, Kurt Russell? <laughs> oh no, it isn't Kurt Russell. It just looks like Kurt Russell. Ross, any final thoughts? Um, well, just to sort of. Uh, uh, I'm sort of uh, the opposite of your opinion, Sam. Like you know that some of it is stupid, and I know you don't mean that in a totally negative way. Um, I whilst I do agree that some editing could be made. Uh, for me, the runtime isn't that big of an issue. Um, again, I th- it comes down to me. Like when I first watched it, it was just action, action, action. You take in you know the the bright flashes and the cool kicks, and uh, as you watch it more, you take in more. Also, like upon reflection, I think because the last vampire movie I watched before this would have been Interview with a Vampire with 
Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt. And whilst that's uh, a pretty good movie, it's very much the sort of the... It's the old the, old school the, version, isn't it? It's the yeah, it's, it's the, the old school version of vampires, sort of like Bram Stoker's with their ascots yeah. and you know, and the white face paint, and yeah, everything's grandiose and everything. It's like not that. Fight Club so, vampires, like, see, which is what this is. No, it's not. And so, and to see like yes, yeah, so, like a vampire movie genre brought into what it was at the time, modern times, it was yeah, it was really fresh and it was cool. And plus, Wesley Snipes kicking the shit out of people it was awesome. <laughs> Black so leather duster, me, yeah, uh, really cool if you're Wesley Snipes. Oh, leather if duster you're a fat and black white sunglasses. dude in England, though, probably not. <laughs> leather duster and black sunglasses in an underground <laughs> nightclub slaughterhouse. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh. Uh, but yeah, so I would definitely recommend this movie, even now, still. Cool. Uh, so unless you've got anything to add to that, Sam, I think that's pretty much us. No, let's do it. Perfect. Well, we will uh, speak to you all next week when we will be watching uh, a film called Bandits, which ooh, almost no one saw. <laughs> Damn you, 9-11. I've never heard of it. This is a real like 9-11 hangover film where you know no one was going to the cinema. And, no, and no, kind of no, no. America's, America's still drunk. It's like days after, I think. <laughs> it's a real... Great movie though, great movie. Look forward to talking about it. We will certainly talk about that next week and I think it's... I've seen it before, but it's it's new to Ross, I believe. It is, yeah. So I'm really hoping that we get that continued. Um, I'll, I'll continue to be the middleman, and you guys will love and hate things. <laughs> <laughs> Here's open. See you next week, everyone.